It's Gary Parish. It's Friday, March 8, 2019. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is going to be here with me shortly. And let me explain why he's not here right now. So we decided to record the Island College Basketball Podcast around 11 a.m. Eastern on Friday, and we spent probably first 20 minutes of that uh, discussing the Will Wade situation at LSU, and a lot of that conversation was tied to, you know, what is LSU going to do with Will Wade? What should LSU do with Will Wade? And shortly after we finished recording, LSU announced what it's doing with Will Wade. He's suspended indefinitely. Tony Benford is going to be the interim head coach. And so rather than have the opening 20 minutes of a new podcast dated in that way, particularly when a lot of you aren't going to get to it till Friday afternoon, Friday night, even Saturday morning, rather than have it where you're listening to us for 20 minutes, discuss what we think LSU will do and should do. And you're sitting there already very aware of what LSU did do. That just seems silly to us. So we decided to uh, re-record the opening to make it as fresh as possible. Problem is, Matt Norlander's got CBS Sports HQ obligations, so he's tied up. So I am here by myself right now to make sure the opening of this podcast is as fresh as possible, and then Norlander uh, will join me uh, when I'm done discussing the latest with the Will Wade situation, and we will preview the weekend, everything from Duke, North Carolina, Michigan, Michigan State, the American Athletic Conference race. We'll get to all of it. But first things first, the biggest story in college basketball, it is the Will Wade situation at LSU. So let's back up to Thursday. Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports, reported that there is a wiretap that has Will Wade discussing a pay-for-play scheme involving Javante Smart, and he is discussing it with Christian Dawkins, who, of course, is now a a convicted uh, felon. And this wasn't a report where it just stopped there. It actually has the transcript. And what's on the transcript is is pretty problematic uh, for Will Wade because he is discussing a strong-ass offer. That's a quote. Strong-ass offer he's put on the table for Javante Smart, but he can't get it done. Here is the actual transcript. Quote, And again, this is Will Wade talking to Christian Dawkins. I was thinking last night on this smart thing. I'll be honest with you. I'm effing tired of dealing with the thing. Like I'm just effing sick of dealing with the S. Like this should not be that effing complicated. End quote. And then later, Will is reportedly discussing a third-party handler, for lack of a better word. And he said this to Christian Dawkins. Dude, I went to him with an effing strong-ass offer about a month ago. Effing strong. But the problem was, I now know why I didn't take it. Because it was... Effing tilted toward the family a little bit. It was tilted toward taking care of the mom, taking care of the kid. Like it was tilted towards that. And so now I know for a fact that he didn't explain everything to the mom. I know now. The issue was he didn't get enough of the piece of the pie in the deal. It was an effing, hell of a effing offer, hell of an offer, end quote. This conversation reportedly happened some point between June 19th, June 30th, 2017. Javante Smart committed to LSU on June 30th. So that was the Yahoo story. Then ESPN came back with a story later Thursday that had more details about other calls. ESPN was reporting that in a different call, Will Wade is joking about a player, again, presumably Javante Smart, how that player would get, quote, more than the rookie minimum. And he also told Christian Dawkins that he had done deals for, quote, as good of players as him that were, quote, a lot simpler than this. So there's a lot of bad stuff here, right? What you essentially have is an SEC head coach um, frustrated, venting uh, to Christian Dawkins uh, about this deal, strong-ass deal, that he's put on the table to try to secure commitment from Javante Smart, but he can't get the commitment yet because the handler won't accept the deal yet, and he thinks, Will does, that the reason the handler won't accept the deal is because Will cut the mom in too much, cut the kid in too much, and the handler's piece of the pie isn't as big as the handler wants it to be. Furthermore, what you have is Will Wade telling Christian Dawkins, um, listen, I've done deals like this before with players just like this, and they ain't never been this complicated. So you have a coach acknowledging on a wiretap, I got a deal I'm working on to get Javante Smart, quite clearly in violation of NCAA rules. And not only that, you've got Will Wade saying, this ain't my first deal. I've done deals before with players just like this, and they ain't never been this complicated. So... After all this broke on Thursday, I'm like, okay, how can Will Wade explain this? Because he's going to have to explain this. Not to me, not to LSU fans even, but to his bosses, to the NCAA someday, and perhaps to a federal judge. And 
there's just no way out of it. These words leave no plausible deniability on the table, none whatsoever. And by the way, um, that's the difference between this situation and the Bill Self situation at Kansas. Because I had a lot of people, after I tweeted earlier on Friday, LSU has suspended Will Wade. I had a lot of people say, what is the difference between Will Wade on a wiretap with Christian Dawkins and Bill Self uh, text messages submitted in federal court between he and TJ Gasnola? And here's the difference. Bill Self, the text messages are um, Bill Self and TJ Gasnola right around the time Kansas is uh, signing a long-term lucrative deal with Adidas. It's T.J. Gasnola basically telling Bill Self, as far as I'm concerned, Kansas number one, everybody else second. Um, I'm going to work for you. I'm going to get you the, the, the players. I've never let you down except for that one time with DeAndre Ayton, LOL. And Bill Self is saying, hey, that's the way it should be. I need some dudes, right? Um, it is what it is. You read those text messages, and it, it is what it is. But that said, Bill Self can still stand up today at this moment and say, you guys can think that T.J. Gasnola was telling me he's going to be buying me players. And you guys can think I was telling him to buy me players. But that's not, it's not there. I didn't ever talk about money. He never talked about money. I didn't tell him to break rules. He didn't say he was going to break rules. So you guys can imply whatever you want. You can think whatever you want to think. But you're putting words in my mouth if you think that was a text message exchange featuring me telling T.J. Gasnola to break rules or T.J. Gasnola telling me he was going to break rules. Now, nobody except diehard Kansas fans are going to buy that, and even some of them might not. But it does give Bill plausible deniability. Not to mention he can also say T.J. Gasnola was placed under oath in federal court. He was asked if I knew anything. And he testified that I didn't. Bill Self at this moment still has plausible deniability. Will Wade doesn't. Once that transcript is made public, there's no way to explain any of that away. And so even before LSU announced that he was going to be suspended, I assumed that this would go down this way. Because I don't know how you survive this. And the suspension is obviously just to give them time to make sure all their, for lack of a better phrase, ducks are in a row before they do what most people now think they will eventually do, which is terminate the contract of Will Wade and, and find themselves a new basketball coach. Because I can't imagine this gets any better. You know, Will's still going to be subpoenaed, perhaps have to appear in federal court. That means things can only get worse, I think, because, again, there's no believable story that makes these conversations seem like anything other than what they appear to be. And when you don't have a story to explain away these words, you're in a tough spot. And so... The question I was asked when I jumped on CBS Sports Q, HQ immediately after the suspension was announced was, what does this mean for LSU? And obviously, big picture, it means that they're probably going to have to make a coaching change, go out and hire a new coach, uh, rebuild again. It's not ideal. But it's also impactful in the short term because LSU is a team that is playing Vanderbilt on Saturday with an opportunity to win at least a share of an SEC championship and possibly an outright title, depending on what happens between Tennessee and Auburn. And if it wins a league title and then would also win the SEC tournament, got an opportunity to maybe be a one seed in the NCAA tournament. And now they're going to have to do it, presumably, without Will Wade. Go play in the SEC tournament against John Calipari in Kentucky, Rick Barnes in Tennessee, Ben Howland in Mississippi State, Bruce Pearl and Auburn, so on and so forth. And now it's Tony Benford and LSU. And with all due respect to Tony, I'm not here to take shots, but you can Google his Wikipedia page. The nicest way to describe him would be an incredibly unsuccessful former Division I head coach at North Texas. So 
I don't think you could even try to argue that LSU is now something less than what it was supposed to be, what it would be, because they've lost their head coach. And I would assume that this is something the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee is also going to um, take into account. Because if they will seed a team differently based on the roster that's available to that team, why wouldn't you seed a team differently based on the coach that's available to that team? Unless you're just going to try to argue coaches don't matter. And I don't believe that for a second. For instance, famously, many years ago, Bob Huggins, head coach at Cincinnati, has got the, what I think is the best team in the country, a team that I think was going to win a national championship, a team that had a resume of a number one seed. Kenya Martin had a broken leg. And so the selection committee did not give Cincinnati a one seed. And when they explained it, they explained it by saying, we don't think they're the same team without their best player, the national player of the year. And guess what? Cincinnati wasn't. Got bounced early. I don't know why you wouldn't apply the same logic to LSU, assuming Will Wade is not going to coach them in the NCAA tournament. Um, they're not going to be the same team. And that means that whatever was possible two days ago, and honestly just about anything was possible two days ago given the way that team's been playing, uh, seems less possible now because barring a surprise, um, Will Wade's not going to coach again at LSU this season. And barring a at least a surprise to me. I don't think Will Wade's ever going to coach at LSU again. So that's that. Biggest story in college basketball. And as it develops, we'll continue to discuss it. But right now, uh, I want to get to the games. Big weekend on tap. Matt Norlander will join me momentarily to preview it. But first, check this out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. So, big weekend in the SEC. LSU only needs to beat Vanderbilt, and everybody beats Vanderbilt, so that should be no issue, to win at least a share of the SEC title. And they can actually win it outright if they beat Vanderbilt. And Bruce Pearl and Auburn beat Tennessee because Tennessee's on the road at Auburn on Saturday. Meantime, Florida trying to avoid a 14th loss of the season. Uh, they got to win at Rupp Arena. Uh, they're playing Kentucky on Saturday. Uh, to avoid that 14th loss of the season. So there's a lot going on. Let me just ask you this. Very simple question. LSU right now 15-2 and two in the league, Tennessee 15-2, and two, Kentucky 14-3. and three. Given that LSU's playing Vanderbilt at home, LSU's going to finish 16-2, and two, barring a massive upset. So Kentucky, even with the win over Florida, uh, just can't get there. Here's the question. Are we going to have an outright SEC champ or co-champs? We're going to have co-champs. I'll take Tennessee to win at Auburn. Obviously, LSU to win at home. Stay one game up on Kentucky. In doing so, Tennessee stays on the one line in bracket projections, which will also get a little bit weird if another result happens. We'll get to that in just a minute. But I'll take UT to win at Auburn. I'm not in, I'm not in on Auburn. It's, it's interesting. They've been rated well, obviously, in Ken Palm. They're 13th in Ken Palm right now. But... Um, I don't know. I, I, obviously, they don't have Wiley. Austin Wiley's not healthy. I think that makes a, a big difference. Chumo Kiki's been a, a solid player. Like I think he's actually a bit unheralded, but um, I don't know. I, I feel as though they are not greater than the sum of their parts, which is uh, to, to kind of bang on a cliche there. But I'll take Tennessee to win. They're a better team. Yeah, they got to go on the road, but give me UT. And then I do like Kentucky to win. Florida, by the way can't get out of its own way it should have won 
earlier this week. It doesn't. It's a, you know, it's just a classic bubble team. It's 17 and 13 right now. Should have been able to beat LSU on Wednesday night. Couldn't get it done. Um, botch final play, and now you got to try and win at Kentucky. And if you don't win there, you're going to have 14 losses. Probably need to win at least two, I think, in the SEC tournament. So uh, a big-time game for the Gators here. But I'm, I will take Kentucky to win. But uh, in doing so, so the three best teams all get Ws, and it's just status quo. Tigers and Vols finish atop the league. And with that, you LSU has the tiebreaker. So um, the Bayou Bengals, regardless of all the other drama, they will be the one seed when play gets underway in Nashville in the SEC tourney. Trivia time. Let's do it. Florida loses at Rupp, which they probably will, and then loses at any point in the SEC tournament even championship game, doesn't matter. Unless they win the SEC tournament, they're going to have 15 losses on Selection Sunday. How many schools have ever received at-large bids with 15 losses? Four. Do you know that's the answer? Or are you just guessing? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that's the answer. This is one of those trivia times where I didn't have the answer. <laughs> I knew it was two. I know we, I knew we had one each of the past two years. <sighs> You're Parrish, saying, what are we doing that? here? Like, you have to have the answer. You can't just ask the question. I think it's two. No, because isn't the uh, the record is 16, I thought. I thought the record was 16. So the 16's happened once. Georgia, Georgia had 14 or 15. Remember Georgia back in the day? Who, what teams you got right now, GP? I've got uh, Alabama last season. Yep. And Vanderbilt two seasons ago. Yes. I uh, remember Vandy. Um, what was Both of losses. Let me check Georgia real quick here. Maybe Georgia <laughs> was like 15 and 14. Worst trivia time ever. You can't ask me the question and not know the answer. Well, okay. Well, like, I think I do know the answer. I think I'm right. Because I just Googled most um, losses to get an at-large bid. And from March first, two thousand seventeen, they had no. Uh, I, there's a third one. Yes, I was right. Uh, no, wait, no, I was wrong. They you were lost. wrong. Georgia had fourteen in one because they finished with fifteen losses. I think I was right. I think my trivia time is right. I believe the answer is two, and it had never happened before two thousand seventeen. And then it happened with Vanderbilt in two thousand seventeen, and then it happened with Alabama in two thousand eighteen. Um, apologize to me. I'm not apologizing. I feel like you should apologize. Uh, okay, here we go. No, you are. Nope, you're wrong. What? Fifteen? Eh, I guess you're right. <laughs> I'm right. I no, no, stop questioning me. Stop questioning me. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just stringing you along. But I do have this. Um, fourteen has been done. These many so Villanova ninety one, Georgia in two thousand one, Kansas State in ninety, Nova in ninety, Arizona in two thousand and eight, and LSU in eighty seven all had fourteen losses and they got in and they got in with fourteen losses in a sixty four team field. So only fifteen's been done twice. Um Yeah, I told you that a second ago. I thought sixteen had been done once, but I guess not. I mean that's a ton of losses, by the way. That's just for an at-large team, that's unacceptable. Uh, <laughs> what team? Hold on. So real quick here. Let, let's just uh, – we can continue. But, all right. So the teams right now, here are the teams with 14 losses in major conferences. We have got Texas, 16 and 14. I mean, that's just a lot of losses, man. You've got Indiana, 16 and 14. Arkansas, not in the fold, 16 and 14. Butler, not in the fold, 16 and 14. Xavier, kind of there, I guess. Not really, though, 16 and 14. And it really ends there because then you get into Providence, UCLA, and uh, and that's pretty much it. Um, no one has 15 that's actually in the picture. The only major conference team right now with 15 losses that's even – kind of floating near it and they're not near it but it's Nebraska at 15 and 15 and no one else is even close there so uh, so anyway that was uh, another strange trip through trivia time what other games do you want to talk about well first on Auburn you mentioned that um, you're not in on them and I, I don't want to say I'm out on them I've got them ranked in the top 25 and one but they have been as you pointed out 
highly ranked in the computers all season. They're 13th at Kimpom right now. Trivia time! Oh, God. I'm not ready for this. How many currently ranked teams in the AP poll has Auburn beaten this season? Do you know the answer? Yes, just like I knew the answer to the other one. You just confused me a little bit because you, you were so confident in your I answer. Did, I had four. a lot of conviction. How about that, though? Um, the fact you asked the question makes me want to say zero, but I don't like to play obvious, so I will say uno. Uh, the answer is zero. Okay. Zero. 13th at Ken Palm, safely in the field, zero wins over currently ranked opponents. They do have a win over uh, Mississippi State. Mississippi State has spent part of this year ranked. Um, they've got a win over Florida. They've got a win over Washington, and Washington was ranked last week but isn't ranked this week because somehow Washington lost a cow. So as of this moment, Auburn has zero wins over currently ranked teams. In other words, if Auburn is going to beat Tennessee on Saturday – they're going to have to do something uh, they haven't done all season, which is beat a currently ranked team. That's why I'll take Tennessee with you. I think we're going to have co-champs. I'm with you. Cool. That'll be the second straight year, by the way. Tennessee has finished tied atop the league standings, and it's the first time oh, – I had this earlier on the, on the site earlier this week. Tennessee hasn't won back-to-back conference champ. It's been a long, long time. So, anyway, I, don't, I can't trivia time you that because I know it's been a while. I just don't know off the top of my head, and I'm not going to look it up right now. What else? Okay, let's go, let's go to the American Athletic Conference. Yes. Love the American Athletic Conference. Trivia time, although I tweeted oh, this. So come you, on, come on, bring it. Bring me some trivia time. But you might be aware of... You're not going to stop me on the American. I, I tweeted this, so you might know the answer. Okay. I don't follow you on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> it's okay. All right, this is the sixth season of existence for the American Athletic Conference. Mm-hmm. How many years has the American had at least four bids in the NCAA tournament? So this is a six, so they've only had five NCAA tournaments Right, so, so in the previous five, like right now they're projected to get four in. Right. Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, how, and Temple. I mean, at four. So in the I'm previous gonna... five years, how many times did they get four in? Three. Two. It'll Damn. be three this season. The league is actually, like, the league has been, I, I would say... It hasn't been nearly as good enough in the NCAA tournament as it should be, and it's gotten some brutal breaks over the years from SMU and the UCLA disaster to Cincy blowing a 22-point lead last season to Houston losing at the buzzer uh, to, to, to Michigan. The conference doesn't get enough mainstream run because it's – now, UConn won a title when it was in the American Athletic Conference, but that's it. And that, uh, that alone, uh, I think, accounts for – more victories in the NCAA tournament than almost the rest of the league combined since it formed. But to be fair, like when the American formed, if you had said, all right, for the next six years, half the time you're going to get at least four teams into the tournament, and in many of those seasons they're going to be single-digit seeds, you're going to have a two-seed, you're going to have a national champion, I think that you would have taken that, and it's done pretty well for itself. It rates ahead of the Pac-12 this season, but in 2014, its first year, when Louisville, the forgotten year, Louisville was actually in the American that one and only season. Louisville, Cincy, UConn, and Memphis got in, and SMU just missed that season. Second year, it was only two. SMU is the six. Cincinnati is the eight. By the way, Cincinnati, I had a thing on the court report this week. Cincinnati has been by far the best program uh, from start till now in the American. No one's even close in terms of overall victories. In 2016, they got four in. That was the year Tulsa was the stunner, but Temple was in, Cincinnati, and UConn got in. In 2017, two years ago, they had SMU and Cincy, both with sixes. I actually thought both of them were underseeded that season. Houston was close, but not quite realistically in. And then last season, they had three. Cincy the two, Houston the six, and Wichita State. Yes, believe it or not, you might have forgotten this, but Wichita State was a four seed last season. So now um, it's trending toward this. Basically, on average, the, the American is getting more than three teams in the tournament annually. I'd say it's doing pretty well for itself. And then uh, as we've set up what's happening here in the league, for the weekend, I just will note, on, on Thursday night, Houston won again. It's only got two losses. Um, I think if it wins out, and by winning out, it would probably have to beat Cincinnati twice. 
I think there's a faint chance it would things would have to break right, but I think Houston still has a faint chance of getting the final two seed. Cincinnati, unfortunately, certain its seed, but helping the league because it did not win at UCF, and in doing so, locked up a bid for UCF, which is 23 and six, and has done so well. It's it's done better for its profile than any team in college basketball over the past week because it won at Houston, giving Houston only one of its two losses beating Cincinnati, and now it plays at Temple, which is a weird game because UCF is, in my opinion, they're locked in. Like, they could still go to Dayton, but I don't think, GP, there's any chance they don't get there. But Temple, I think that it's it's in as of now, but can go either way. It wins at UConn, so it just it gets a road win. It's not an amazing win, but you know what? It's better than a loss. There's no doubt about it. When you look at Temple and the the three or four teams that might be above it, the three or four teams that might be below it, it's in good standing now. It hosts UCF. A win there... I don't know if it's Lock City, but it, it could it could really do well for the American. And then, of course, as you've mentioned before, I will actually be the first team, uh, the first guy to infer, <laughs> infer and reference Memphis on the podcast. That's a rarity, but here we go. The, the conference tournament is obviously in Parrish's home city of Memphis, and so the possibility for the Tigers, even though they don't rate as a top four team in the league, potentially they could be a bit thief. But overall, things going well for the American. The bottom line, though, is that you got to have. Ideally, two teams break through the second weekend, and if you can get one, even to the Elite Eight, I think that would do some good. We wait and see if that actually comes to be. Um, well, I will say, according to the net rankings, Memphis does rate as a top-four team in the league. Okay. Um, good on the net rankings. <laughs> Houston. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cincinnati. Uh, UCF at 28. So it's Houston at uh, number six. Then Cincinnati, 21, UCF, 28, and then it's Memphis at 50 and Temple at 57. And you know what? Memphis actually rates above uh, Temple and, and Ken Palm as well. It doesn't – one other – Massey, it's not even close. Memphis is in like the the low 70s, high 80s, and Temple is, is like 30 spots higher. So Memphis is a bit of a moving target, but hey – We'll see. You put them. Some some computers like them. Some uh, not as much. And then they get the building. They get the game in their home building. That tournament, and uh, it, it will definitely be interesting because I know tickets get allotted to all fan bases. But I mean, come on. When the Tigers are playing, it's going to be minimally seventy percent Tigers fans in that building. It'll be like ninety percent Tiger fans <laughs> watching. Say, because um, I don't think any of these schools travel that enthusiastically. Like you know, Kentucky's not playing in the American Athletic Conference tournament. Um, we'll see. Uh, maybe your your estimate's closer than mine. But either way, this is what's most interesting about the American to me. Right now, projected to get four bids to the NCAA tournament. And one of them's not Memphis. One of them's not UConn. One of them's not Wichita State. Yeah. That's how good this league can be. If you can keep Kelvin Sampson at Houston and keep it going, which if Kelvin's there, there's no reason to think it won't. Keep Mick at Cincinnati. And if he's there, there's no reason to keep, think that's not going to go. Keep UCF about where it's at right now. You know, I know Fran Dunphy is is um, stepping away after this season, but you know, if Temple can remain whatever Temple's supposed to be, and then you get Memphis where it ought to be, UConn where it ought to be, and Greg Marshall get Wichita State back, not even where it was, but just where Greg Marshall's program should be, you've got a league that I think can start to maybe crack the top six in terms of leagues. You give it that? Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I may. I've. I've. I've probably been as aggressive and as in on the American and its bona fides as any member of the media, and I think that it's been good, but it has just it has suffered from not having like, you know, generally speaking, either superstar players uh, and viable, consistent year after year like success deep into the tournament. But you know what? It's solid again, and <laughs> if Hurley gets it going, and we already know, you know. Penny is is already revved up Memphis. Like there is some real optimism ahead here uh, for the league itself, and we wait to see how the teams are seated. Um, I, I think that the committee has underseated the teams a bit, uh, just a little bit in the years past, and I don't think that any of the teams we mentioned are going to be you know set up to succeed, with the exception of Houston, because uh, best case scenario for Cincinnati is if it wins out, I think I think it tops out at a five, which is fine. But your second game. 
you'll probably be an underdog. So you're not you're not favored to make it to the second weekend. It really just does need as simple as it is, and it's hard to do. But like you need you need when we get to the second weekend, and there's just there's more focus because there's fewer games. It's like oh yeah okay we got Houston here and Cincinnati here, and you never know it breaks one way, and then you're playing on that that Saturday or Sunday with the chance to go to the Final Four. I think that stuff for better or for worse, it's the nature of the tournament has has real impact on the way that your conference gets talked about, discussed, and how its reputation builds. Um. With the American Athletic Conference tournament, um, you, you know, you mentioned Memphis as a, you know, well, I'll just forget what you said. Mick Cronin, after they beat Memphis last weekend, it's like a two-point game um, at Cincinnati, he said they're going to be a tough out. They're a real threat to win the American Athletic Conference tournament. And I ran the numbers on it, and um, according to Sagarin's numbers, at least, the way it projects things, the only two teams that will be favored over Memphis inside FedEx Forum in the American Athletic Conference Tournament are Houston and Cincinnati. And Houston would be like a four-point favorite and Cincinnati would be like a two-point favorite. So they're going to be a real – I mean, they, they've got a real chance to get an auto bid there. I mean, I know it's 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 unlikely, but it's it's certainly possible, even realistic, because as all over the place as Memphis has been, and they've been playing better lately, but they've had their ups and downs um, – They've only lost twice at home. One was to Tennessee early, and it was just a 10-point loss as opposed to a 20-point loss because this is around the time Tennessee was beating everybody by 20. And they lost to Cincinnati uh, by single digits, and they were up double digits with like 14 minutes to go in that game. So if you're looking for leagues where there could be a bid stealer, like a, a team that's not projected to make the NCAA tournament that wins the auto bid, uh, the, probably your best bet is, is Memphis – uh, in the American, um, it's it's a very reasonable thing because they're going to have a massive um, a massive home court advantage. And you mentioned that the American has sort of been, I don't know, underrepresented or not thought of the way that perhaps it should have been thought of. That American uh, coach, um, a coach in the league, uh, tell me maybe last off season we were just randomly talking about whatever, and he said our biggest problem in terms of notoriety and respect and all that stuff is that. A, we don't have Villanova, and B, we're not called the Big East. Mm. Like, we have a branding problem. If they, if they just called us the Big East instead of them the Big East, we'd be thought of differently. And I thought that made some sense. Uh, yeah, it does. It's gonna. It's, it's just going to take time. I mean, on the football side, it's it's UCF that's carrying the entire conference at this point. And, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a league-wide thing, and they're, they're trying to get through and, and try and get there. Um, all right. You want to talk the two huge games of the weekend uh, here? Hold, hold on a second, because okay. there is a huge game this weekend in the American. Oh. It's uh, – Okay, my bad. Houston, Houston at Cincinnati. And this is going to uh, break one way or the other, like any other game. But from a um, league standings conference championship perspective, huge, huge ramifications. Because uh, Houston, because Cincinnati lost last night, Thursday night at UCF, and Houston beat SMU, Houston has already wrapped up a share of the AAC title. Um, but if they are able to beat Cincinnati – It'll be an outright league title, and since and obviously if Cincinnati wins, then they'll they'll be co-champions. Trivia time. Last time Houston won an outright conference championship. Nineteen eighty four. You son of a bitch! You got it right. How about that? There we go. Just I mean I, I know they haven't won one here, and uh, it's just been a while since they've had this sort of you know sustained dominance. I I'm gonna. I'm going to take Cincinnati to win this game, Parrish. Uh, I'll take them, you know, 70 to 66. Uh, and in doing so, just, you know, kill Houston's chances to land on the two line, but uh, but help their own chances and, and set up for for what I think will be a fun American Athletic Conference tournament. You, um, I'm with you. I had to do a, a preview for CBS Sports HQ on Houston-Cincinnati. And listen, I like both of these teams. I think they're comparable teams. Obviously, Houston's got the better resume. But I like both of these teams. Um, I would pick Houston to win if the game were in Houston, but because the game's in Cincinnati, I'll, I'll take Cincinnati. Cincinnati only lost once at home this entire season, and it was the season opener um, against Ohio State. So, And it was, I think, November 7th. It was, yeah, November 7th. So literally more than four months ago was the last time Cincinnati lost a home game. And um, th though they might lose, I mean, who knows? 
But I, if I've got to pick one or the other, I'll take the home team, Cincinnati, to beat Houston, and then we will have co-conference champs in the AAC. But I checked with the AAC earlier today, and Houston already owns the tiebreaker mm-hmm. if we get to that point. So Houston would be the one seed, no matter what happens uh, in the American Athletic Conference um, this, uh, this weekend. Now, let's get to the big, two big games. Let's do it. Um, it's number four, Duke. At number three, North Carolina on Saturday. Tip schedule for 6 p.m. Eastern. You can watch it on ESPN. Mike Krzyzewski, of course, after Tuesday night's win over Wake Forest, said he will be surprised if Zion Williamson plays at Chapel Hill, but would also be surprised if he doesn't play in the ACC tournament. Let's start there. Um, Will you be shocked if we find out 45 minutes before tip-off Zion Williamson is going to be in uniform? No, and also... For those listening to this podcast, whenever you are, Friday afternoon, Friday night, Saturday morning, we are recording this about an hour before Mike Krzyzewski is going to speak with the media. So we don't know if he's going to – the potential – he could – Krzyzewski in 63 minutes from now could say Zion Williamson is definitely out. Zion Williamson is definitely playing. Zion Williamson wants to play, but we don't know. We'll make a decision close to game time. So there will be information that Mike Krzyzewski talks to that we can't address on this podcast because we got to turn this for you guys so you have ample time to listen to the pod before the weekend games get rolling. I will not be surprised if that happened. I think it would be an awesome moment if it happened, but let's make our predictions here. Over, under – one second played by Zion Williamson in the Duke-North Carolina game on Saturday. Parrish, what are you going with? I'll take the under. I don't think he's going to play, but I'm with you. It would I, I, I would love for him to play. It would just be an awesome moment. You talk about making it where people who don't even care about college basketball would say, okay, I need to watch this. I don't think there would be anything we could have in this regular season that would be that would become appointment television like like okay hey i was about to go here but now i'm staying here to watch this then if it got announced you know within an hour of tip off oh by the way zion williamson is in uniform uh he will be on the in the starting lineup for duke tip off is in 45 minutes that you can't get bigger than that i know um all right real quick Trivia time. Trivia time. All right, here we go. Come on, come on. All right. Both these teams are ranked in the top five. How many times have Duke and North Carolina met when both were in the top five of the AP poll? That's not even fair trivia time because they played a billion times. You have to give me multiple choice on that. Okay. Let me – all right. Uh, I'm going to do four options. Okay. Have they met both in the top five? Have they met, and I'm going to go low to high here, all right? Six, nine, 12, 19. How many times have they met as top five teams? You said six, nine. I did, actually. I'm going to say nine. You're going to say the wrong answer. It is the 12th time that they have met, and get this, it is their 12 meetings now as AP top five teams is five more than the next best matchup in college basketball history. Pretty incredible. Now, one more thing. This isn't a trivia time, just a crazy stat. So, obviously, these are two of the best programs ever. As of right now, all-time wins in college hoops history. Kentucky is number one, 1903. Kansas is number two, 1899. So, there's four wins separating those two programs right now. And then uh, you've got North Carolina with – never mind. I'm, I've, I've totally botched this. Hold on. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I botched it. Okay, here we go. Those are the season. (laughs) Those are the first years they started playing college basketball. Sorry. I'm reading the team notes. Here it is. The top five all-time wins. Wow. GP. Get out of here with this right now. Okay. Kentucky, Kansas, UNC, Duke, I don't even believe this, but it's in the Duke notes. What team, impromptu, unexpected trivia time, what team currently in the American Athletic Conference rates fifth most all-time, this can't be, I mean, this is stunning to me, in, in all-time wins, number five, according to the Duke notes here. Fifth all-time wins American Athletic Conference school. Yeah. Cincinnati. No. That would have been, been my guess if you posed it to me. It's not Cincinnati. 
Well, then it's got to be UConn. No. It's not UConn. It is Temple with 1924. That's crazy. Duke is at 2,170 wins. UNC a comfortable lead, 2,257. Anyway, this podcast is kind of swerving off the rails. I love it like that. I will take Carolina to win whether or not Zion Williamson is on the floor. Give me the Tar Heels 88-83. to And in doing so, as alluded to earlier on this episode, I think if that happens, you have to put UNC on the one line for the time being and see how things shake out with the ACC tournament. We're not going to preview this game, but I'll note that uh, Virginia gets its home finale this weekend, almost certainly is going to win, plays Louisville. So UVA right now tied atop the league standings with UNC. Expect them to win, and, and, and you know that would also create more separation for Duke, potentially knock Duke off the one line. But anyway, who's your pick? I've taken North Carolina as well. I mean, the 13-1 and past 14 games, lone loss in that stretch, came to Virginia. They've only lost once at, uh, or twice at home all season. One was to Virginia. The other one was that blowout weird loss uh, to Louisville. Um, I, I know all of the attention or lots of the attention, most of the attention in, in the state of North Carolina has been focused on Duke this season, and for good reason. They've been number one. They're the favorite to win the national championship. They've got Zion. But Carolina has had an awesome season. They're in play for a number one seed, 25-5 and five right now. And um, Kobe White, again, not as heralded as Zion or R.J. Barrett or, or um, Cam Reddish or even you know, Trey Jones coming out of high school. I think he was you know top 30 player. Five-star guy, but lower end of the, five, uh, of the five-star guys as opposed to right at the top. Um, he's been awesome. Um, he just passed this week. Michael Jordan on North Carolina's all-time uh, scoring list for freshmen. So basically, like everybody passed Michael Jordan this week. First Kobe White, then LeBron James. Um, I'm gonna take. Uh, I'm gonna take North Carolina. Quick story on, Co- on Kobe. So Jamie Erdahl did sideline. I think it was CBS Sports Classic when North Carolina was there in Chicago. So she and I were in studio the other night, and we were just. I don't know. We were just talking, and we were doing a Kobe White highlight or we were getting ready to do a Kobe White highlight, something, I don't know. But so we're talking about his hair. And so Jamie said she was talking to Kobe White the day before the game, right? Uh, and she asked him about his hair. And she said, she said, so what do your teammates think of your hair? And he looked at her and he said, Leaky likes to play with it. Okay. <laughs> is, that the, is that the funniest answer? She was like, what? <laughs> He's like, Leaky likes to play with it. She's like, Leaky, Leaky Black likes to play with your hair? He's like, yeah. She's like, okay. <laughs> so I want video of that. I want Leaky Black while recording a mixtape playing with Kobe White's hair. Can somebody get us that? You know, I know how Leaky Black got his nickname. Trivia time. No, I'm not giving it up yet. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know eventually. But I've been holding. I sat down with Kobe White when I went to Chapel Hill a few weeks back. I've been holding this. I'm saving it. I'm going to make you wait for it. So. I can- Find that out in two minutes. Yeah, but that's not that, that you're ruining the bit. <laughs> like <laughs> You don't you don't think I can find out Leaky Black where the Leaky Black came from? Okay. Alright. Anyway. All right. You so don't you, you don't think he's you don't think he's coming to Memphis this, this uh, off season to uh do a verse with Moneyback Yo? I I can't speak to the veracity of that claim. Leaky likes to play with it. So we both have UNC winning. The other huge game of Saturday will follow Duke, North Carolina. It's Michigan versus Michigan State. Now there is an injury element to this game as well, and that is that Charles Matthews is still dealing with an ankle injury, and we do not know uh, really his timeline for return. And then when he'll be at full strength, Michigan State obviously as well has injury issues. Nick Ward still not going to play in this one. Kyle Arns has back issues. So both teams, it'll be a compelling game, but neither is at full strength there. Michigan State gets this game on its home floor. It just played Michigan, you will recall, less than two weeks ago on CBS, and Michigan State looked quite fine in winning at Chrysler. So I'm going to take the Spartans here, but I don't have high confidence, Parrish. Both really good teams, nearly equal I think I like MSU just a little bit more in their current state. And if you said both teams were full strength, I, th- I would still take Sparty. So give me Michigan State in that uh, in that regard. And in doing so, would they'd get to sixteen and four? Uh, they'd clear they'd clear Michigan. And what they need is Purdue. 
to lose at Northwestern, not unthinkable, but Purdue's a lot better than Northwestern. It is a road game, but we could have yet another situation where a league like the ACC and the SEC that we've talked about and potentially the American could have a tie atop the standings if Michigan State wins and if Purdue wins. Yeah, I mean, heading into the weekend, it's uh, three teams at 15-4. and four. Michigan State, Michigan, Purdue. Michigan, Michigan State, one of them's got to take a fifth league loss. That's the way basketball games have to go. Somebody's got to lose, somebody's got to win. So the winner is guaranteed at least to share the Big Ten title, and the loser is guaranteed not to share anything. And then it comes down to what happens with Purdue at Northwestern. Assuming Purdue wins that game, we will have co-Big Ten champs, uh, the winner of Michigan, Michigan State, uh, with Purdue. And I do think that's the way it's going to go down. Purdue wins at Northwestern, gets a share of the at least a share of the Big Ten title. Well, it would definitely be a share because somebody's got to win the Michigan Michigan State game. So Purdue wins at Northwestern, gets a share of the Big Ten title, a year after losing four starters. That's 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 pretty impressive stuff from Matt Painter. Matt Painter, I think, needs to be the the Big Ten Coach of the Year um, because of how much he lost and. I, I yeah I just don't think that they're like, like Beeline's done great don't get don't get me wrong he's done a fantastic job he should be he should be under consideration for that but if you talk to Big Ten coaches they they think that Painter's done just he's done the most not with the least but just if you take all the factors in that should be taken into account for for a league coach of the year uh, I think it's Painter but you know what the voting won't commence until after these games end and if Purdue loses and Michigan wins Beeline's probably going to get it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's cause it, maybe it's crazy that it comes down to that. Like, just one game can change a, a coach of the year, but you're probably right. That is the way it would go. And it's one thing to lose four starters at Duke because you got four McDonald's All-Americans on their way. Same thing at Kentucky. Like, Purdue didn't enroll, like, you know, you know this, this top five recruiting class. They've been able to do this with a bunch of guys. It's basically Carson Edwards and a bunch of guys – having to adjust to new roles, take on bigger roles, more responsibility. And that was the big question about Purdue in the preseason. Like, uh, Carson's obviously great, but are these other guys ready to to to, to take on ex- expanded roles and keep Purdue near the top of the Big Ten? I was skeptical. Uh, I was clearly wrong because not only are they near the top of the Big Ten, as long as they win at Northwestern, they're going to finish right at the top of the Big Ten. All right, I got a few games I want to roll through, but before I do that, anything else that you want to hit on? I mean, if you got a leaky black story, I'll listen to it. I'm saving it. Okay, so uh, I'm not going to ask you to make predictions on a Friday, but I got to clue our listeners in because Friday night, awesome OVC tournament stuff. John Morant going up against Jacksonville State. How about Jacksonville State, by the way? We've talked a lot about Murray State, talked about Belmont. I think Belmont should be in no matter what. Jacksonville State has a win over Belmont and Murray State. It actually has a sweep of Belmont, played Murray State once. So Ray, Harp, Ray Harper, hats off to Ray Harper. Um, they got a real sh- real shot at being the – at being. The, I don't even know if bid thief is the right term here because they've played better against uh, Murray and Belmont than anyone else in the league. So it's Jacksonville State versus Murray State, Friday night, Ohio Valley Conference Tournament. That's a 10 o'clock tip on ESPN that will be preceded by – Belmont playing Austin P. These are the semifinals here, so the winners will play Saturday. We will get our first auto bid handed out. the The Ohio Valley gets the stage to itself as it does only 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 tournament on Saturday. It will uh that will provide an auto bid there. So we'll I I think it will either be Belmont, Murray State, or Jacksonville State on the next podcast. I want five minutes to talk about whatever happens there, and we can kind of well, get into because we're going to well, get into what either Murray State or Belmont for sure is not going to win it. And we'll get into their cases uh, of them being deserving, but I know you want to jump in, so fire away. I, I think the OVC, um, whether it should be or not, is debatable, but it's probably going to be a one-bid league. Um, that's at least what Jerry Palm thinks. And Saturday night should be great. If we get – I guess it'll be great, whatever. But, I mean, we could get and, – and, and according to the seeds, supposed to get Belmont against Murray State, John Morant, and Dylan Windler on the court. I mean, that's that's a fun – that's, I mean, for a chance to go to the NCAA tournament on, with a chance to go to the NCAA tournament on the line, like I know that there are bigger games that are going to get more attention on Saturday night, but that'll definitely be on one of my screens. I'm in, I'm in on it, GP. Actually, the the OVC title game has been pretty awesome and downright epic a couple times over the past five or six seasons. 
Uh, by the way, as for like Friday night, like, normally Friday night, like there's just not a lot of college hoops on. My wife thinks we, that she is free and clear, and she's <laughs> wait till I drop under that I'm watching Rick Bird and John Morant tonight. She is not going to be happy. But this is March on Saturday. Three auto bids will be handed out: Big South. Oh, uh, sorry, I'm Sunday. I said Saturday. Uh, Big South, Missouri Valley, and A Sun. Now, Big South, that's Chris Clemens and Campbell. So they still got it. They still got to break through there. There's <laughs> Fighting camels, the fighting camels. That, that's that's correct. I had to I had to allow you to uh, to get that in there. But yeah, so Campbell will play Gardner Webb on Friday before having the opportunity to to fight through and 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 get get the auto bid on Sunday. The Big South will not have tournament games on Saturday. The Atlantic Sun. Hey, it's probably going to be a one bid league. I di- I I understand all of that, but it's it's got the best two playing Liberty and Lipscomb. Both 14-2 and two in the league this season have combined for 52 wins and just 12 losses. Liberty made some noise earlier this season when it won at UCLA, and that was the game that ended the Steve Alford tenure, you may recall. Lipscomb has... If Lipscomb had beaten Belmont once, I actually think it would be considered a more viable at-large candidate. The killer for Lipscomb is this. It's it, it split with Liberty, but it lost at Florida Gulf Coast, and Dunk City wasn't that good this season. But Lipscomb won at SMU. It won at TCU. And the fact that TCU is now drifting out of the tournament, like it's not helping the cause there. Um, but both these teams are good enough to win a game in the NCAA tournament. They will fight for the auto bid in the ASUN on, ASUN on Sunday. Keep an eye out for that. We wait and see what happens with the Valley. We don't know who's going to be. It's a one-bid league. Will it be Loyola, Chicago? I don't know. We'll, we'll touch on that as well on the Sunday podcast. But the point is we will have four NCAA tournament participants locked in by the time that we do our next podcast. I love these small conference tournaments. I do kind of wish that we'd have um, a way to reward the regular season best team and not necessarily have a situation where the leagues, you know, cannibalize themselves. But it is what it is. It does make for pretty good theater. There's no doubt about that. So just keep an eye on that. There's other games, but we'll wait and see what happens. Frankly, the Big East is just a quagmire, obviously. And You've got teams like you know Texas Tech and Iowa State. Will it be able to win and match K State and finish top the Big Twelve? We wait and see on that. You know you've got bubble teams galore, but let's just we'll, we'll see how the weekend shakes out with all of that stuff because this is obviously the final go here before we get to league tournaments. I think it will be a pretty fascinating weekend. But every night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, good games, tournament action as well, and then uh, and then we're really rolling there. So, like Norlander said, we're going to have four auto bids settled by the time we talk Sunday night, and it will. The next podcast be late Sunday night because on Sunday I'm flying to Charleston for the CAA tournament. I'm going to be doing sideline on CBS Sports Network uh, for the semifinals on Monday and the championship game on Tuesday. But I'm going there Sunday, and then I'll be at the quarterfinals on Sunday night. So, we will record the next episode of the Ion College Basketball Podcast after I get back to my hotel in beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. So if you're looking for it on Sunday afternoon or early Sunday evening, just not going to be there until late Sunday night. It'll be there for you, obviously, uh, first thing Monday morning if you want it then. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. And if you haven't done it already, please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. That's the best way to uh, ensure you're going to get the latest episodes as soon as possible so go knock that out if you haven't done it yet if you have done it thank you we've noticed subscriptions up uh, ratings and reviews up we owe you forever appreciate you we're going to talk to you again late sunday till then take care